And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. This is Palm Sunday, and Christians around the world are celebrating Palm Sunday. Traditionally, Christians by the millions would take palm fronds like this. Uh, yesterday, our next-door neighbor, uh, John and Jan, actually called and said, Hey, would you like some of our palm, palm fronds? For Palm Sunday, we said, sure. Well, you know, on that original Palm Sunday, thousands and thousands were waving this as Jesus entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. And they were saying, uh, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that word Hosanna is kind of like hallelujah, but it always, it always has a reference to the Messiah. And they were saying, we recognize that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the hope of the world. But sadly, sadly, before that week was over, some of those very people that were crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, were also saying, crucify him, crucify him. Now, many years ago, it was a Palm Sunday, I was preaching, and uh, during the middle of my message, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart saying, just be quiet, just stop preaching. So I just stopped in mid-sentence and I looked at the congregation and they looked at me and I looked at them and they looked at me and I'm saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And what after seemed like an eternity to me, the Spirit, it really wasn't that long, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Terrell, ask those who are hungry and thirsty for me to come forward. Jesus said, as many as hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Now, you can be a Christian, but you may not be hungry for the Lord. And so I did that. I said, if you're hungry for the Lord, would you just come forward and let me give you an opportunity. We're going to pray with you. And what seemed like a long time went by, finally a man on the front row started coming forward. And he took three or four steps and he seemed to hit a Holy Spirit force field. All I can tell you is that as he was coming forward, suddenly he was down on the ground worshiping Jesus. And somebody else came up, somebody else came up, somebody else, and the very thing happened. They would, they would make their way midway to the front of the altar area, and they would suddenly, they would be on their faces before the Lord. It was like they were hitting the Shekinah glory of God. And I want you to know, all over that building, the presence of God invaded that room. And there were people crying, there were people weeping, there were people kneeling. It was a grand and glorious time. Now, I've had many people ask me, Pastor, why can't every service be like that? Well, dear ones, I believe that God wants it to be like that, but you and I have to be hungry for Him. We have to be thirsty. And I encourage you, I know a lot of you are distracted because of, of, of what's going on and all the ramifications of this COVID-19, but let me encourage you, just develop a hunger in your heart. Develop a thirst. As many as hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Now, somebody this week, somebody this week contacted me and said, Pastor, could we possibly be in now in the book of Revelation with this epidemic, this pandemic that's going around? Could this be Revelation chapter 6? And they particularly 
ask about Revelation chapter 6, which says that the, I heard a voice and the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him. Power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill the, with sword, with hunger, with, with death and the beast of the earth. So they're asking, Pastor, could this be the unveiling of the fourth seal? Could this be the pale horse and rider where one fourth of the world's population is destroyed. And you know, I really don't think that. I don't think we're quite there in the book of Revelation. I do think we're in the last days. I think we're probably, you know, Jesus during Passion Week, after he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem, Jesus did a lot of teaching. By day he taught in the city of Jerusalem. By night he stayed at the home of Lazarus and Mary and their sister Martha. And, and if you'll go back and read in, in uh, Matthew chapters 22 and 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, it takes us right up to the crucifixion. And these are the things that Jesus taught in that last week. And in chapter 24, Jesus, the disciples have said, well, tell us about the end times. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Now, I want you to, to think about that for a minute. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. And later on, he tells us we're going to hear about pestilences and difficult things happening. But he says, see that your heart is not troubled. Think about all the hot spots, the war hot spots in the world today. I think about Syria. I think about, about Palestine. I, I, I think about Afghanistan. I, I think about the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Pakistan and Sudan and Libya. And they're just, there are wars all over the face of the earth today. But he says, don't let your heart be troubled. He says, all these things must come. But the end is not yet. And I would say this about the COVID-19 virus. The end is not yet. Jesus went on and said, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines. Well, there's tremendous famine today in the earth, particularly on the west coast of Africa, in the Sudan and in Ethiopia. There are people that are starving to death, thousands and thousands and thousands, and it doesn't even need to happen because there are benevolent nations that have taken food stores, but there are warlords that rise up and they steal the food and they're causing the people to die by the thousands. Jesus said that what happened. He said that at the beginning of sorrows, that there would be famines. And then Jesus said there would be pestilences, there would be plagues and pandemics. And, and here's the deal. Pandemics, they didn't start just with COVID-19. Think about 1981. We had the HIV AIDS uh, scare that came through and people didn't know how in the world did you contract this terrible disease and yet in the last 39 years over 35 million people have died from this. In 1918 there was the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu ended up killing over 50 million people in almost every nation 
of the world. Back in 1350, there was the bubonic plague that started in Europe. It started with the Hun people, and then it spread from the Huns to the Germans, then it spread from the Germans to the Romans, and, it, and, and in Rome, the military got exposed to it. And so as, as the military went out over the face of the earth where all the countries that Rome had conquered, they also took the bubonic plague, they took it up to Great Britain, they took it to India where over a million people died. Did you know that over five million people died from that plague? Now Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. The end is not yet. There's going to be famines, there's going to be pestilences, there's going to be earthquakes. Do you know that just yesterday, the U.S. Geological Association said there was a 3.0 magnitude quake in Puerto Rico, a 2.5 magnitude quake in Anzo, California, a 2.5 magnitude quake in Cascade, Idaho, a 2.6 magnitude quake in Utah, a, a 3.6 magnitude quake in Enid, Oklahoma. Jesus said there's going to be earthquakes in various places. And then he said this, these are the beginning of sorrows. And so, dear ones, don't let your heart be afraid. You believe in God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am with you always, even to the very ends of the age. I don't believe we're quite in the book of Revelation, although we're close. We're in the end times. I believe that this is one of the beginnings of sorrows. Well, I'm going to ask Pastor Zach to come and join me here because, you know, uh, when Jesus, he did all of this great teaching the last week of his life. And of course, one of the last things he said before he ascended to the Father was, but he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon me, on, come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me unto Jerusalem, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I, people say, why is all this stuff going on? Pastor Zach, I think it's because we need to fill heaven with more people. <laughs> I think because more people need to, need to come to the Lord. Now, when Jesus was crucified, he, he, he uttered seven sayings, seven, some people call them the seven last words of Jesus, but they're actually the seven sayings, and you find them in the four Gospels. Uh, share, us, share with us what those sayings are, would you? Uh, put me on the spot, Pastor. Um, uh, all seven of them, you're, they're found, uh, and Pastor can help me out, you go from Luke 23, where it's, um, it talks about... Uh, Oh, one, let me just say this, one in particular that uh, from I am, I am thirsty or I thirst is one. Um, okay, he said, he said, Father, forgive for Father, them for yeah. they know not what they do. He also said to the thief on the cross, truly you'll be with me today in paradise. Uh, he said to, to, to the apostle John and to his own mother, he says, woman, here's your son. And he said to the disciple, here's your mother. Yeah. Then he also said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he did say, I thirst. And then he said, it is finished. And then he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, Zach, when you think about these last sayings of, of Christ, which of those sayings impacts you the most? You know, the, the one that impacts me the most is John nineteen thirty, where Jesus says, it is finished. I believe in that statement that he makes there, it's not a... A, def, a statement of defeat. I believe it's a statement of victory. He came and fulfilled and finished what the Father called him to do. 
What exactly does that mean? You know, I, it, you know, the promise of the Messiah from the Old Testament scriptures, we see Jesus in throughout his life and throughout his ministry. He, he references that back to that. It's a fulfillment of those prophecies. It's a fulfillment of what he came to do to destroy the works of Satan. And as well, when I say, you know, it's finished, the father, he's the Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He made the way to complete the salvation. And so at that point in the cross, when he says it is finished, I believe that it's done. And then at his resurrection, that's when we see it sealed for every, for every person who chooses to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, well, of course, we know that Hebrews tells us that Jesus tasted death for every man. But does that mean, because Jesus tasted death for every man, does that mean that everybody is saved? No, not at all. I don't. I don't agree with that. No. I. I. Once again, he's he's that perfect or the the perfect sacrifice, but it's still got to be the individual's choice to put their faith fully in him. Yeah. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross and Jesus proclaimed, "It is finished," was 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 he saying that I have now paid the price for sin? Amen. Yeah, I agree. Well, why would it be important for us to have Jesus paying the price for sin versus the blood of a bull or a goat? It, once again, the spotless lamb slain before the creation of the earth. Jesus is that is when he came to earth. I fully believe that he embodies not he's fully God. He's fully man lives a sinless life the way that all of humanity should live. He's that perfect example. And um and he is the sacrifice lamb. That's why we celebrate, or while you know what we were talking about here, um, this Passover season, or that's what he was getting. He's that Passover lamb that takes the place, takes the sin of the world away. And uh, there's no one else that could do that. There's no one else but God Himself, God in the flesh, Jesus. Christ so so it that. took it took holy blood, yes, to redeem mankind because of what Adam and Eve had done in the garden. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so. That's the reason that Jesus lived a sinless life. He's the only one. The only one. That's ever lived a sinless life. And, and, yet, and yet we need a Savior. And I've had people say, well, I don't need a Savior. I'm a pretty good person. I'm not a dirty old alcoholic. I'm not a dirty old this or that. But, you know, the problem, Pastor Zach, is I'm not sure that God compares us with other people. That's right. Yeah. I think he only compares us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus was sinless. That's right. And, and we need a Savior. We need to be redeemed to God because we're born into sin, aren't we? That's right. Yeah, I agree. We're born with a sin nature. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous. No, not one. That's right. Amen. 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 Your favorite saying, Pastor, what, what, what one sticks out to you? Oh, you know what? I, I like them all. I do. I think the one that's really ministered to me over the years is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, think about it. Here, Jesus is having nails driven through his hands or through his wrist, really, and, and, and through his feet. A sword has pierced his side. A crown of thorns has been pressed into his brow so much that blood is running down his face. He has received 39 stripes. In fact, the Romans had what they called the nigh death, the near death, where they knew that if they, if they flogged a person for 40 times, 40 stripes, that it usually killed them. So they would stop just short of that and give 39 stripes. 
And of course, Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus was ever born, said he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit anointed Isaiah to prophetically look forward through the annals of time to see that Jesus would become our sacrifice. And here's Jesus hanging between heaven and earth. He's, he's completely dehydrated. You know, blood is gushing from him, is gushing from his back, from his side where the sword is pierced him, yeah. from his hands and his feet. And, and then he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's incredible. Powerful, yeah. It's incredible. I mean, he said, forgive these people, these soldiers that are nailing me to the cross. Forgive these that are jeering me. Do you remember how the crowd mocked him that day? Uh, yes. Yeah. They says, if you're the Messiah, take yourself down. You saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Yeah. I know. It's an, it's an incredible act and display of the love of God for all of humanity. And it, it, they spat upon him. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. And the Apostle Paul picks up on this. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, he says, I want you to, to forgive even as God in Christ has forgiven us. And you know, as long as we think we're pretty good people and we don't need forgiveness of sin, as long as we think, hey, I'm pretty good, then we're not going to ask God to forgive us and we'll not really be able to forgive others as God and Christ forgave us. But it's when we see that we're sinners in need of a Savior, when we realize that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, when we realize that there's none righteous, no, not one, when we realize that, that, that though we try to do the right thing, often our, our actions don't measure up to our intentions, we realize that there is a sin nature inside us that's holding us back and that we need the sacrifice of God's Son. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to come and live inside us and be our King and be our Lord and be our Savior. And you know, because of Jesus has forgiven me. See, I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve eternity separated from God. But because He's forgiven me, I can then forgive other people. Now, Pastor Zach, think about this with me for a minute. It's not always easy to forgive others, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. So many times I've had unforgiveness in my heart. And I used to pray this blanket prayer. I used to say, well, Lord, I just forgive everybody. But often I would get hurt in relationships. Sometimes you, you feel betrayed by somebody. Sometimes you, you learn that your best friend is talking bad about you. Sometimes people are just ugly to your face. It comes in a variety of ways. But if you're not careful, those wounds and those hurts can build up on the inside. And, you know, it can become bitterness. It can become resentment. Somebody once defined bitterness as unfulfilled revenge. They said it's like drinking poison and hoping that the other fellow dies. You know, and, and my experience is that I, I've had bitterness in my own heart and didn't even know it. I had unforgiveness in my own heart. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yes, sir, absolutely. I, I, like you said, when we allow anger or bitterness or um, those hurts to fester inside and hold on and we don't release them, it, it is like it, drinking poison and expect, expecting someone else to die. And I think that's why we see in the Gospels or we see with Jesus' life, he's this perfect example of, and like you said, you pointed out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even in the midst of his most trying time, 
his focus was on others. And, and it's, a, it's a call in my heart that, you know, Lord, thank you for the forgiveness of my sins and for redeeming me. Help me, Lord, to forgive those that have wronged me. That's what I give How have you done that, just practically? I mean, you're a young man. You're 34 years old. Three, but yeah, 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 yes, sir. Um, okay. I, um, I, you know, it's like you said, you have to be real intentional. It's not a blanket prayer. Um, I've had to just, you know, really get specific uh, when those hurts happen, pray about that. But then, you know, the Bible really teaches us when we have unforgiveness or we have offense with a brother or a sister, we need to go to them in love. Um, and so I, I've always prayed for God to give me wisdom and give me the words to address those people in my life that have, that have injured me and hurt me. Um, and, uh, and just really speak to them about that. So that that's really helped me, at, you know, be specific in my prayer time, but also um, ask the Holy Spirit to guide those conversations where we can restore that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's always important to to go to somebody and talk to them about it? What if they're not aware of what they did? Maybe they did something and they didn't mean to bring pain into your life. Yeah, absolutely. I you you know I think sometimes you have to you have to tempest that, but then you have you know where you don't go out of anger. Maybe it's some time for self reflection. Personally, this is how I've handled it. But then I sometimes have to go to them and just say, listen, I may have done something or I may have said something that injured you. I want to say I'm sorry, but this is what happened and this is what went down. And you may not even be aware of it, but I just want to make sure that we can leave here today and we can restore this relationship and that we can allow God to heal it. And, you know, sometimes, most of the times when we've approached it that way, there's been healing. Yeah. Um, and there have been a few that, that it's not time yet or they're not yeah. ready to do it. Yeah. You know, I was reading this week in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Paul had written in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, they had, a, they had a brother that was sinning against the entire church. He was actually living with his stepmother, okay? So it wasn't just immorality, it was this incestuous relationship. And Paul had said, you know, you got to deal with this and it created problems some people didn't like Paul's pastoral authority and and so in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 Paul is writing about this and he says whom you've forgiven I've already forgiven in the presence of Christ now think about that minute he says you've forgiven this brother you've restored him he's repented of his sins now I want you to know I've already forgiven him in the presence of Christ in fact I, as I read that pastor Zach I see I see Paul taking hurts you know if any man was persecuted for his faith it was Paul yeah. if any you know he was stoned he was whipped he was he was shipwrecked I mean he was run out of town I mean they, 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 they say that everywhere the apostle Paul went they had a riot and he ended up in jail. Yeah. And, and he says, whoever you forgive, I've already forgiven in the presence of Christ. And so I think it needs to become uh, at least a way for us to take our hurts and our pains and things that people have done. And we've got to take them before the Lord and say, Lord, this hurts. I don't have the strength in and of myself to forgive. But Lord, I believe you to help me. Yeah. And Jesus... I need your grace with this. And so right now, by faith, I tear up the, that IOU that somebody owes me. I tear up that resentment that's in my heart, and I let it go, and I release them, and I pray prayers of blessing for them. 
You know, Jesus said that if somebody commands you to go one mile, he says, don't go one mile, go two miles. And he says, love, bless, do good, and pray for those that treat you unjustly. And it's so important, dear ones, we don't get ulcers from what we eat. We get ulcers from what eats us. And it's so important. If, if somebody has hurt you, if somebody has said something, if somebody has done something, if someone has betrayed you, you know, maybe you went through a nasty divorce, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you've gone through a bankruptcy. Maybe you've lost your health. Dear ones, do not allow that hurt to keep gnawing away on the inside of you. But you need to go to God and say, God, I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And I release these people that have hurt me so bad, not because they deserve it. They don't deserve it. But you deserve to be set free from the tyranny of that pain. Jesus on the cross, he says, Father, forgive these because they know not what they do. And dear ones, when we forgive people, I believe we're really setting them free to allow God to begin to work in their lives. We're setting them free to allow God to do what only he can do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, the second word from the cross, Pastor Zach, was truly I tell you today you'll be with me in paradise. Why do you think he said that to the thief on his, on his right side? You know, from you know, looking at scripture, that the, the uh, confession of that thief, you know, remember me, uh, Lord, when you enter your kingdom or when you enter. And, and I think it's a, uh, I, I personally believe and through study that that's exactly what it is. It's a promise fulfilled that, that, um, that at, at that point of that man on the cross who made that confession to Jesus, put his faith in him. And, um, and, uh, and, and that Christ, uh, um, that's exactly what he unlocked, the, the, uh, defeated death, hell, and the grave and made a way for those who choose Christ and make them Lord and Savior of their life. Um, there's, that, there's that home. There's that hope of heaven. Yeah. So, yeah. so whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Lord shall, shall be saved. Amen. And that's, that's what the man did. That's what he did. So what about the other guy, the guy that was cursing Jesus and belittling Jesus? Do you think he made it to paradise? Do you think he made it to heaven? I don't, there was, there's no indication in Scripture where there's, yeah, there's a, um, a confession or a, a faith in Jesus uh, for that gentleman or for that man. So no, I, I would have to say you know, from just looking at Scripture, no, there. There's no promise fulfilled for this for that man, but for the man who, yes, calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. Amen. Amen. Let's consider one, one last saying of Jesus as he hung on the cross. He said these words. He says, I thirst. I thirst. And they offered him, they took a stick and they, they put a sponge and they dipped it in a bucket and they put that sponge up to his lips as he's hanging on the cross. And the sponge had been dipped into sour wine this kind of kind of like a moonshine really that the, the 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 soldiers would drink and it was mixed with gall or some translations say myrrh and that was kind of a it was a mild stimulant it it, it caused you to 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 Maybe you didn't feel the pain quite as much and the Bible says that Jesus tasted it but he spit it out you know, I believe he spit it out because it had a bitter taste. And Zach, as we travel through life, everybody listen to me. As we travel through life, sometimes you're going to get bitterness in your mouth. Sometimes you're going to get a foul taste in your mouth because of the actions and the attitudes and wrong things others have done. What's important is that you not swallow it. 
that you spit it out. You can't help it getting in your mouth sometimes, but spit it out. Don't let that bitterness get in your heart. Well, this has been really great to be able to come to you today. I so appreciate Pastor Zach for joining me on, on this uh, particular uh, webcast. Before we have another song, we're going to come to the table of the Lord. So let me ask you to grab, if you will, grab your bread and grab your juice. And uh, uh, we're going to look here in Matthew, the 26th chapter. In fact, I'll tell you what, why don't, why don't we go over to 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, dear ones, as you're holding the bread right now, I just want to remind you this. We've never seen, and you know this, we've never seen a pandemic like we're going through today. We've never seen the kind of uh, a, 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 an epidemic, something, a germ that would get into our systems apparently so easily and has infected many and many are dying. Greg Mundus, who's the executive director of World Missions for the Assemblies of God. Greg Mundus, who's preached from this platform. Greg Mundus has got COVID-19 and he was just airlifted this week from Springfield, Missouri to St. Louis because he had to get special treatment for his lungs. We're praying and we're believing God for life for Brother Greg. We're, we're asking God that he would live and not die. We pray that for everyone in New York City and in New Orleans and Atlanta, in South Florida, every place where, where, where this is spreading so quickly. We say in the name of Jesus, not because of who we are, not because of, 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 of our standing, but because of what Jesus Christ has done and accomplished on the cross where he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed we take his body and we are members of his body and we eat this together in faith in Jesus name let's partake together then the apostle Paul again writing to the Corinthians it says um, for as often as you he says he says in the same manner, he also took cup. He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's power in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus will never lose its power. And as we partake of this cup today, I speak the power of the blood of Jesus over your very being. I speak the power of the blood of Jesus over your physical body, over your relationships, over your home, over your finances, over everything that touches your life, over your job, over your loved ones, over your family, over your neighbors, over you when you go to the grocery store, when you take care of what needs to be done, as you're at work and when you're at home or you're on the road. I speak the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over you because the blood will never lose its power. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God.
And now I just say to you, be filled with the Holy Spirit from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And Paul told Timothy, Timothy, I want you to stir up the gift of God that is within you. Now, some of you, a spirit of fear has come upon you because of all the, all the news media and everything we're hearing about this terrible time in which we're living. And I know it's unprecedented. And I know we've never passed this way before. But I remind you, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even even our faith. Faith in God is nothing more than faith in His Word. And faith in His Word is taking a promise from the Word of God and saying, I'm going to stand on this promise. Philippians 4.19 is a promise for you today. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So right now, we vanquish spirits of fear and we thank God for a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. We love you. We thank God for you. I confess, this is hard for me preaching in an empty auditorium. Thank God for these, that are, these 10 that are with us today. But I look forward to the day that we can all worship here together. Now, in the middle of the week, I'm going to be sending out a video to encourage you. We're also sending out emails of, of, of healing confessions. I encourage you to, to read those. It'll take you about 60 seconds to read it and make that confession of prayer out loud. And we'll be with you next Sunday. We'll be Easter Sunday morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.